This is The Shift Podcast. Coming up on The Shift Daily Podcast, producer Ryan O'Donnell shares best before dates on COVID vaccines. What other things do you do, eat, use that have expired or passed their best before? Yes. Hank the Hacker Fordham, Centurion Defense, talks about solar winds. Plus, he talks about the use of your phone number as the, uh, the security feature. Two-factor authentication on your phone. Should you do it? Is it, wor- is it worth it? Is it safe? That's also coming up on the Shift Daily Podcast. Plus, are you okay with sneaking backstage? Sneaking backstage at concerts, man. It's a good time. Well, what famous people do it too. In case you missed it on the radio, here's O'Donnell. Ding. Dong. Welcome back, Matt. It's been a long time since we've been able to do it in case you missed it all together. Yeah. Boy, do I have some stuff. (laughs) Let's talk about expiration dates. A while ago, a lot of shift heads gave me some shift for how I tend to (laughs) throw my food out the second it hits the expiration date. It's something I've been raised on. If the milk says May 8th, actually milk is an exception. Milk you can smell and know. But if (laughs) I have a bag of, I don't know, some prosciutto and it says May 18th, and it's May 18th. <laughs> just going keep prosciutto in the... around? Like, that's the thing? Yeah, like you... I, for my sandwiches. Oh. I love prosciutto. Right. It's the best. Wow, that's fancy. Okay. There are certain... Th- yeah. All right. Sick. Yeah. I got to make my sandwiches taste good, all right? Simple things in life. But look, we can all agree, like, food is the... Everybody has different opinions on the expiration dates. We all know when it's definitely not okay, but you're going to be a little loose on it sometimes. But what about medicine? If it's a pill... And I take it and it's expired. I'll look it up to see if it's dangerous. Usually a pill just means that it's not going to work as well. So you should just get some more. But what about a vaccine? What if you went and got your COVID-19 vaccine, the nurse gives you the jab and goes, oh, by the way, this was supposed to expire last week, but the government says it's okay. Because that's kind of <laughs> what just happened. So Ontario says that Health Canada, and look, these are the experts here. So there has to be some reason why they did this has extended the expiration date on specific lots of AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccines from seven months to seven months from six months. So they added a whole month. Now, on Saturday, this was the story before this announcement, we heard these concerns from Ontario doctors. The race is on. Ontario has about 45,000 doses of AstraZeneca in its stockpile due to expire on Monday. And the government can't say how many of those shots will miss their intended target. I can't give you a hard answer on how many we expect will not be able to go through that quality assurance piece. The province resumed second doses of AstraZeneca for people who got a shot between March 10th and 19th, but only in Toronto, Windsor and Kingston. The Solicitor General says doses sent to other cities were pulled back in and now have to be inspected before they can be used. We want to make sure that the doses we are, we are offering for second doses are checked first for quality assurance, and we're doing that now. On Thursday, Dr. Dirk Heyer said only a fraction of available shots had shipped to pharmacies. 
We have roll, uh, delivered uh, 26,000 doses uh, to uh, pharmacies in the three areas, and uh, we continuing to evaluate another uh, portion of the AstraZeneca to ensure we get it out. But the question of those remaining shots looms large. Locations as of noon today have received at least a partial shipment of AstraZeneca soon-to-be-expiring vaccine. And Justin Bates says more supply is due for delivery at more than 100 pharmacies across Toronto for what will be an all-weekend effort requiring extended hours and extra staff. Wait. (laughs) It's concerning because you said milk, you can smell it. Yeah, you can so can it. you you go if you go in for your AstraZeneca shot, and the pharmacist or nurse or whoever's um, t- distributing the the shot, mm-hmm. if they have to sniff the vial before they give it to you, would you still oh, get the shot? <laughs> I don't think it's they're like they're like this. They're like, oh, st- still yeah. good. I think that's bad. It was only out of the fridge for an hour, oh, which is actually that interesting one. because. My vaccine was out of the fridge for six hours, which the nurse told me everything about how long it's supposed to be out of. And I had amazing communication from the nurse who gave me my COVID shot that made me feel better knowing like this is this and this. And it just seems questionable. So if if this if the date is set for six months and they push it to seven, does that mean that the actual expiration date is more like eight months and they just want to push it to five? Why would they push it? And and where is the research to 100% confirm that that is A-OK? That's what that's one of the stories that kind of slid under the radar where Shane and I were both, eh, wait a minute, they probably shouldn't be doing that. OK, so uh, do you want the answer to that? Give me the answer. Do you have it? Because I want it. It's insurance. Insurance. It's insurance. Like it's, it's the indemnification of the fact that if you take this. Okay. So when you lift something up above people, I just know this from my, some of my previous background. So when you hold something in front of people, like in a theater, cause you were a theater person, the, uh, the rigging load has to be 10 times. So if it's a hundred pound, um, thing, the lines that hold it have to be able to hold 10 times that. And then there's a safety chain. And there's a thing called dynamic load, for example. So if it drops and the thing's loose, then it goes boing tight. It's got to be able to handle that dynamic load. So the reason why it's like that is if things fall down and kill people, there's a backup plan. Same thing with, uh, there's two pieces to food, as best I understand it, is that food is, um, so you don't get sick. Because if you get sick, you sue people, right? Oh my God, your food made me sick. The expir- expiration date was June 1st. And I ate it on May 25th, and it was already bad. So take a wild guess who's going to get a lawsuit, right? So that's the kind of stuff that goes on with everything else. I would offer you this, though. I would offer you this little piece. Is that um, we're already stretching the four-month thing, like just made up. like It's like, hey, in Canada, we make up our rules. And by the way, everyone else is getting their second shot in 46 weeks. But by the way, for us, we just got four months, man. Why? I don't know. Seems to work politics. So, I mean, nobody wants to see them go to waste. But I would guess that their expiration date is well beyond that. Yeah. Now, I, I have this here. Health Canada said too, by the way. Sorry. So, well, that's kind of a part of this. So AstraZeneca did send data to Health Canada to back this up. So this is what they said. Health Canada says in a statement that on Saturday it received a submission 
from AstraZeneca that included product stability, mathematical modeling data, and de that demonstrated that the quality, safety, and efficacy of those two lots, which were extended, not all of them, would be maintained for an extra month. So AstraZeneca said basically, all right, if we have 10, these two are actually really, really good and they'll be fine for an extra two months or I don't know. I feel bad for anybody who had AstraZeneca because the vaccine itself does the job, but you have been put through such a whirlwind. Mm -hmm. and well, yeah, for sure. Kind of and they said, the go problems. get it. And it was and a mess. Said, and it was a yep. dumpster fire of, of info. And they said, trust us, go get it. And then they were like, well, maybe not anymore. Maybe a text not. from Yvonne in London says, wow, they wouldn't give me my second dose of the vaccine last week. But now they want to give me that same vaccine dose after it's expired. Yay. They wonder why we don't trust them. Yeah. It's very I valid, isn't it? I would say. So, okay. Um, I yeah. think we're all in agreement that vaccines are probably not something we would use past the expiration date. So what's something that you use right now that you're totally fine if it's past the expiration date? Milk, hands down. Milk, yeah, I would agree. Milk usually, I would say, lasts like four or five days after that date they put on the carton. Yeah, uh, uh, cheese, yogurt, cheese all those. Is good. Yogurt, milk. Yeah, I, I am not going to take my life into my own hands, you cavalier, you know, people. The, the I, I leave the dates there for a reason, and I'm going to stick to it. It just, it psychs me out that best before date. Mm -hmm. well, just, it just says best before. Like my dad used to always say, "Maddie, it says best before, not bad after." <laughs> That's what my dad used to always say. Yeah. But, you know, if I'm short on cash, then, hey, I'll, uh, I have flexible standards. Okay. Well, I think I drank a bottle of rum in the last few weeks. That was about 21 years old. It, it was okay. I mean, it was a little crusty around the top, but, I mean, I was not feeling very great all the days afterwards, but... Finally um, aged. <laughs> it was a seven-year rum already, so, I mean, I probably could have sold that, I think. Uh, when I was in college going to Mount Royal, I ran out of food. There was this stew frozen that my mom made me, but it was pretty old. I remember taking it from Calgary back to my parents a number of times. I ate it. It was a record for minimal time in the body. Oh. <laughs> Explosive, <laughs> including still vegetables being vegetables. Well, if you're going back and forth to your folks a few times, that's probably not okay. Yikes. There are so many preservatives in foods now. That, I mean, I eat food way longer now as a dad, because as a dad, you always eat your food. Like, that's all you eat is leftovers. There's a season in your life that's all you get to eat. In fact, just this weekend, I think it was Friday night, I said to my son, because I had some leftovers in the fridge, and uh, my daughter was out and my son was here, and I said, well, go get some food. There's some rice. There's some stir fry in the fridge. Go get that. And then he was dawdling around like a 16-year-old does, and I'm like, dude, go get your food. I'm starving. He's like, well, I can't you go, well, just go eat. I'm like, you go get your food, and then whatever you don't take is what I'm going to somehow make a supper work with. And when you live in that world, um, you eat some things that are sketchy from time to time because sometimes the kids eat all the good stuff, which, by the way, he did. He ate all the good stir fry, and he left all the yellow and red peppers out and just took all the great chicken. It's terrible. It's very disappointing. Anyway, uh, I'm alive. Dude named Joe says chips. That's what he eats um, beyond expired date. Of course. Absolutely. Eat the chips, man. Although crackers, if they've been opened, sketchy. They get soft and weird. They taste funny. 
That's not good. It's like when you're eating cherries or something or like a blueberry and then you get that little moldy one in your mouth, you know right away. Like right away, you're like, Whoa. Whoa. that's a that's that, what that's a specific mouth feel that uh, never leaves your memory. Very much right? so. Eating a stale cracker is kind of like eating wet cardboard. That's kind of how I associate yeah. it. You lose the flavor, and it's not satisfying to crunch. Same thing no, with the Oreos. Not okay. yeah. Stale that, Oreos are the worst. They get soft. They're like bendy. Blech. But it is. It is a texture, right? Like you feel it. It's a weird texture. The only time I ever got sick traveling is I was in Mexico and we were in a brand new resort. It just opened and I ordered a steak because you got like fancy restaurant a couple nights of the stay, all inclusive. And I ordered a steak and I remember saying, um, you know, this, like it feels funny. The steak just feels funny. And um, yeah, well, it felt funny for about a day and a half. In fact, it felt funny right until we got on the airplane, and which I passed out somewhere over Cuba on the way home. Uh, texter from Steve says, mayonnaise is nothing to mess with, Ryan. Um, if it's expi- past the expiry date, get oh, rid of it. Yeah, yeah I know. Uh, my grandfather, uh, God rest his soul, we went and cleaned out his fridge one time, and there was a jar of mayo that had expired a year and a half like ago. And just out of curiosity... What does it smell like? Uh, that is a certain nose feel that I that is very specific, <laughs> and I would like to forget, but I can't. Huh? Now, yeah. Steve says walnuts because of their high oil content go rancid quickly, even the shell. Interesting. Uh, another uh, text from Rob. I'm skipping the first part. This is really long, um, but I'm going to summarize it quickly here. He says, "I just finished a bottle of red chili sauce from Costco that was in the fridge for eight years." Really needed it for spring rolls. Felt all right. The toity didn't get any increased use. <laughs> <laughs> the biffy. I like that. Um, and to his point is the marketing. I mean, there is creating demand by putting an expiry date on it and saying it's kind of like planned obsolescence that Apple was sort of charged with, right? Like all of a sudden it's like, hey, guess what? Your battery doesn't work anymore. Time to buy a new one. I mean, that's there is marketing to that because we don't educate ourselves. We as consumers, we don't educate ourselves about nothing. We're like, ooh, eleven ninety nine for two. That's the far that's as far as our education goes. Johnny is in Calgary, eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. Hey Johnny. Hey, uh how is everybody doing? <laughs> Good, thank you. How are you? Oh, not too bad, not too bad. I I had to call this show because uh, this is a very interesting subject with regard to expiration date, especially when uh, Ryan, uh, your colleague, mentioned that if the prosciutto is past expiration, it goes to garbage. <laughs> I hope I heard it correctly. Am I right? Oh, well, that's what he said. He yeah. said he should yeah. go to, uh, should toss it. Goes it goes in yeah. the trash, yeah. Well, the thing is this, uh, based on personal experience, I used oh. to work in Delhi department. Uh, this was almost for 10 years. And um, when it comes to Delhi meat, uh, you, have to be, uh, you have to be very uh, assured that the expiration date basically means nothing because uh, these Delhi meats, uh, whether it's pepperoni, salami, gypsy salami, um, Hungarian salami or Genova salami or um, any kind, you know, salt and pepper salami uh, or uh, prosciutto. You're making me hungry. 
Yeah. As it was mentioned, uh, other than prosciutto, we have uh, varieties, even all beef salami. These are all, uh, they have so much salt in them because uh-huh. uh, they are being so much worked out in the factories. And the amount of nitrates, uh, you know, potassium nitrate or sodium nitrates or phosphate, like if you really read the ingredients, of course you don't because uh, when they serve oh, yeah. you, they just give you two, three, four hundred grams. But yeah, we if, don't you, read anything. if you see the package, there are so much additive, additive and preservatives that if Ryan uh, learns all about them, he will never throw his prosciutto again to the garbage. Because okay, that, well, expi- that expiration date means basically nothing. It's just, you know, we are living in a capitalist system. Yeah. In a yeah. capitalist well, it's all system. sales. Okay, we're, we're going to get off topic here, Johnny. We don't let's get, get off topic. I get it. I just said that. It's about sales pitch. Uh, Johnny, I have one more question for you before we let you go. Um, where are you from, man? Your accent is awesome. <laughs> that's what <laughs> That's what Drax was asking me, your previous. <laughs> yeah, but, well, tell me. So where are you from? <laughs> well, we, <laughs> well, Matt knows that. Well, <laughs> I do not. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but... But if 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 I can just make uh, one last point with regard to exploration, you, you can ask. Can you answer the question for me? That would be awesome. That would be really great. I would love that. <laughs> but I just want to say there are many other things that, like yogurt, the expiration date also means nothing. Yeah, well, we went over that. I'm gonna thank you, John. We already went over that. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's great. I love the story, and I love your excitement around deli meat, just in general. Me too. Uh, that's kind of cool, right? Thank you. I, I feel I, I very knowledgeable now. I really wish we could find out. Uh, Matt, apparently you know. Don't you know? I, well, I thought I knew, but I don't think I actually know. <laughs> yeah, I think he's got a fantastic accent. Like, it just it's it's a great accent. He's very well-spoken, like, you, like very clear English. I mean, that's great. So it's a compliment. Um, yeah. Johnny, it's absolutely a compliment. Johnny from Calgary is, is kind of a, an international, or at least a provincial man of mystery. Yeah. I'll say. Right, cool stuff though, and a lot of love for the for the for the telly. Hey, that's all right. This is the Shift Podcast. A couple of weeks ago, we had Hank the hacker, Hank Fordham from Centurion Defense on the Shift talking about that pipeline hack. And since then, there's been a few things that have changed. There's been some stuff exposed, and then there's the same old actors up to the same old things again. So we thought we'd get a little update. How's it going, Hank? Not too bad. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for asking. Uh, it's absolutely beautiful weekend, so I feel pretty grateful uh, yeah, to absolutely. get back at work this week. Yeah, no, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. Love it. Uh, now, sorry to take you away from sunshine and put you back on the computer, <laughs> uh, which is did a, what I did ask you to do. Uh, solar winds. Um, there's some new articles that are out from uh, the weekend. This weekend, solar winds hackers are added again. So it seems like. Let's reset that solar winds conversation and uh, find out what they're up to. Mm-hmm. So, with with solar winds, we saw uh, what happened earlier this year was when uh, a, a Russian nation state group known as Nobelium um, was targeting, you know, U.S. government agencies through what we call a supply chain attack, which is where. Um, you know, a, a nation state or e- even a bad actor will target uh, a software or some kind of technology provider or supplier in the attempt to uh, attack their customers. 
So in, in this case, we had um, Nobelium target the solar winds company uh, because they were a, a supplier of a network uh, monitoring software to companies like, you know, the Department of, of Security. And uh, I think even the NSA was using their services. And then um, by being able to infect that software and have it passed on to these companies that were using it, uh, they were able to infect people that otherwise would have been, you know, much harder to infect. And, and you know, in, in doing so, they were able to gain a lot of, uh, you know, in private information and, and company information. This makes me think of the old school movies when, you know, someone was trying to break out of the jail or break into the jail, <laughs> move stuff in the jail. Like, you, nobody actually tries to break out of the jail. You hop in the laundry cart because the weak spot was the laundry company. It wasn't <laughs> yeah. the jail. Does that, is it kind of like that? Yeah. You know, I, I think of the same thing as well with um, what we're seeing where they start targeting kind of, you know, I hate to say the weakest link, but um, the one that will be most effective and the one that's easiest to go after. And, you know, in this case, it, it just happened to be with, with solar winds and uh, this time kind of with a, a different organization, the United States agency for international development, but the same kind of idea where, you know, they, they rely on, on the, com the party that would be easier to attack. Yeah, that makes total sense. Okay, so now the new storyline says that they're going um, after all kinds of um, government agencies, NGOs, businesses, and they're, they're trying to attack all over the place. Is this just the next logical step for the bad guys? Well, what it really looks like with Nobelian launching this week's attack is, uh, you know, they, they're trying to gain more sensitive information and and get in in this case not even target government agencies but target you know organizations that are linked with foreign policy and and even hum humanitarian or human rights organizations and so it results in uh you know what we're seeing is is it's clear that it's part of these nation states playbook to gain access to trusted suppliers and infect their customers and then, um, you know, increase the chance of collateral damage in espionage operations and, and kind of undermine the, the trust in, in the whole supplier ecosystem. Well, and certainly relationships, right? So I looked up, because NGOs is on the list, I thought, okay, well, what kinds of NGOs come to mind, non-government companies and organizations. And so when you search what are NGOs, uh, Google gives you a list. So uh, much to the uh, laundry card or the weakest link, as Hank had shared, these are the kinds of uh, NGOs that come up just on Google, just to give you some perspective. WWF, World Wildlife Fund for Nature, Greenpeace comes up, uh, Human Rights Watch comes up, Oxfam comes up, Save the Children comes up. What else is on here? Um, World Vision, UNICEF. Now, I'm not saying these guys are uh, in trouble or they are the weakest link, just to be clear. But these are examples of non-governmental organizations that certainly have relationships with governments for funding and, and goals. So Habitat for Humanity, for example, probably doesn't have the same security system that the Canadian government does. Is that kind of what we're looking at? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's, that's why we're kind of seeing, uh, you know, nation state kind of sponsored cyber attacks are, aren't slowing down at all. And, and we need to develop uh, clear rules and a, a clear mandate that's governing these kind of nation state conducts and, you know, in cyberspace. And we need to have clear expectations of the consequences for, you know, nation states violating these rules and, you know, continue to rally around progress and, and more widely adopt the, the recommendations of the cybersecurity community. And and by that, I mean, um, these companies that are working with government organizations, we should really see start to have the same approach to cybersecurity and, uh, you know, training that we see from a government organization or that we would see from a more uh, sensitive, uh, an organization with, with access to the same or more sensitive information. So Nobelium is that group from Russia. The other one was um, Dark Side after the pipeline attack. Now in the media, they say, oh, well, Dark Side is disbanded. It, and they imply it in a way like, oh, by the way, all those hackers that were working with Dark Side are just like, okay, I'm done now. I quit. That's not really the way that happens. Um, is this what we see as these sort of groups? They, they they work together, they get something big, and they sort of tap out for a little bit just to not be found? How does that work? Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, if they're not working with, you know, one organized crime ring, then they're probably working with another one. And that's kind of what you see a lot of the time with, uh, you know, in 2019, uh, the, I think it was the same group, Nobelium, they targeted uh, sporting and anti-doping organizations. And uh, at the height of COVID, we had the same group targeted uh, health core, healthcare organizations involved in, in developing vaccines. And, you know, it like it, it it's happening all the time. And, and in other places around the world, it's just kind of another example of how these cyber attacks have become, you know, the tool of choice for nation states, regardless of, of what label they're taking to accomplish their their political objectives. Okay, so why Russia? Is Russia really the bad actor of all the bad actors here, or is there? Or they just get the they get the rap because, well, they're Russia. You know, oddly enough, I was actually speaking about this today. Um, I I think that while we see Russia being you know blamed all the time for these kinds of attacks, I don't think it's too far off that we're going to see uh, you know countries like China start being involved with these nation state sponsored attacks because. Um, we we have it all the time. It just happens in the background and it, it doesn't get as much media attention as it does when, uh, you know, a Russian group tends to attack. Hmm. Okay, so I'm going to uh, shift gears. That's very clear. Thank you. I'm going to shift gears because my mom asked me a question today that I think I answered properly because we've talked about this many times since we're talking about security and all those things. It seems to make sense to me that we would uh, take this right into everyone's lives every day and uh, and answer a question that can help everybody who's listening. Um, that would be uh, two-factor authentication, your phone number. My mom said to me, she said, well, in her case, she was talking about Amazon, so you know, not that crazy. In the old world, you didn't ever want to put your phone number into websites because then you would get spam calls, robocalls, all those things, right? You would sell yeah. your phone number. And that's what a lot of people still think today. And maybe that happens. But the reality is, is that the technology has gotten much better on the phone companies in order to stop that stuff. 
and two-factor uh, two-factor authentication is pretty great, from my understanding, from you, Hank. So when somebody's mom calls, who's a little bit older, not into the technology, and says, "Hey, this thing keeps asking me to put my phone number in," how do people go about that? You know, I, I think it's important for people that have a family member that might not be as privy to technology or, or as privy to how to handle these things. Um, it's important to to be there to help them, especially right right now, uh, and and be able to explain to them that multi-factor authentication or, or having uh, a code sent to your phone actually protects you a lot more. And but having said that, they need to make sure that the code or or the link or or whatever message they're they're receiving is in fact legitimate. So. I I encourage my family and and I would encourage your your listeners to, you know, create a habit out of uh, habit having open communication with your family or even your coworkers for uh, things like if you get a weird message, like if you get a two-factor authentication message or alert when you, you haven't even tried to log in and, you know, having like, policies that you can you can exercise and you know things like uh logging out of your accounts constantly so that you kill your your cookies what we call cookies which is what keeps your your login going uh if you log out constantly then it makes it harder for hackers to bypass things like two-factor authentication and you can even compound that multi-factor authentication with using things like password managers. And uh, while a lot of people will will recommend, um, you know, some online password manager or Dashlane or something, uh, I would I would actually recommend one called StashPass because it it stores your password on. Uh, you know, it, it stores it on your phone, but the key to decrypt the password is on a physical device. And if you ever lose that physical device, nobody can get the password. If you ever lose your phone, nobody can get the password. It's a very secure way of keeping your passwords away from uh, having all the eggs in one basket kind of thing. Uh, and that's the problem that I see with a lot of these managers. But, you know, just express, I guess, in short, uh, ex- express open communication when you get weird links. Um, express the importance with your family members and especially the younger and older demographic of having login alerts or two-factor authentication enabled. Interesting stuff. Uh, very important. So, I mean, if you get it, it looks fishy, then don't worry about it. I mean, your website's going to tell you if you need to authenticate it, right? They're not going to let you in. Yeah. Um, and uh, but putting it in, I know that for Amazon is fantastic because it when you go to edit your account, it'll let you know that someone's editing your account on an app, which is cool. So, yeah, probably good. Probably good to know, especially if you're not at home. And then all of a sudden you get a text message saying someone's trying to edit your account. <laughs> uh, you hear stories all the time of Spotify accounts getting hacked when and they hack into accounts only looking for one thing and one thing only. And that is if it's premium or not. Then they change your details and they resell it on the internet. You know, get free Spotify for seven months left on the subscription. You, you know, know, for ten bucks. I've even noticed um, they've started targeting hackers. Have started targeting Spotify accounts. If you have uh, premium Spotify or premium family, 
there's often a promotion where they'll give away free Google Home minis. And so I've noticed that in these, you know, underground forums, hackers are starting to harvest these uh, premium accounts, if nothing but to redeem the promotions when they come up. <laughs> and then they just resell the, the Google Home minis or whatever. That's crazy, eh? Anything to make money. <laughs> just nuts. It is crazy. All right. Uh, Centurion Defense, uh, check it out. Give it a Google. You'll find Hank Fordham. Uh, he is a white hat hacker. That means he's one of the good guys, and he's one of our friends here on the shift. Thanks so much, Hank. Thank you so much, Shane. It's the Shift Podcast. Are you okay? Are you okay with backstage passes? <laughs> um, I mean, that's where the fun is, right? Backstage. It's where the beer. It's where the beer is. That's a really. I've only done backstage once in my life, but really, I got yep. Uh, I did like a charity ticket to go see Iron Maiden, and then I got to like hang out with uh, a couple members of the band and their manager, and they brought all of the beer from their plane. And I remember the show, but I don't remember getting home. It was wow. excellent. Oh yeah, <laughs> nice English, warm English beer in a hot Quebec City concert. Never forget it. <laughs> nice. Wow. Uh, backstage, Maddie, you be favorite. You've been backstage. Um, well, I've, I've played shows, I guess it counts as a backstage when it's, you know, the sort of the back area of the, the club where you load in the gear, right. um, the kind of little closet green room. Um, yeah, not much action happened. A lot of waiting. <laughs> a lot of waiting. There's a lot of hurry up and wait, right? Yeah. I like backstage. It's pretty quiet backstage. It's way more mellow than you would think. Um, I mean, afterwards, yes, but usually afterwards, like bands come off stage and it's way less exciting. They actually do a debrief of every single thing. Like, Hey, this was good. You guys missed time on that. we got it, you know, and then, you know, and then there's usually a beer and then there's usually something like Wendy's, like some takeaway or some catered yeah. food. That's nice. And then there's beers and then they let you in at that point. And quite often the band will be in a room and they'll only allow like five or 10 people at a time. So you go in, you say, hey, get a couple of photos, have a beer, whatever. And then you go to a different party where the band isn't there yet. And if they feel like it, they'll come to the bigger party. So um, depending on where you go, uh, backstage is super fun. I think I like it, it can be super fun. It's not as fun as the bus, though. The bus is the best. Bus is always the best. Um, how about this story for you, though? Are you okay with backstage passes? Well, former Judas Priest guitarist K.K. Downing is. So much so, he used to sneak backstage before becoming the guitarist for one of the world's greatest heavy metal bands. Why wouldn't you? In a new interview on BBC Radio 2's Rock Show with Johnny Walker, he shared a story involving his idol, Jimi Hendrix, getting backstage, stealing garbage, and rock and roll. I was lucky enough to see Jimmy no less than six times, including his two appearances at the Royal Albert Hall. And yes, I was out there at the stage door, autograph hunting. I was really lucky. Jimmy arrived and I managed to get his autograph, which was a real treat. I absolutely must tell the story about the Isle of Wight Festival where Jimmy was performing. Myself and a friend cunningly worked our way back to the dressing room area, which was outside, but Jimmy 
Noel and Mitch were in a caravan that they were using for a dressing room. And me and my friend, we hinged the window up. And there they were, the three of the experience around a table with a couple of ladies and myself and my mate. We managed to uh, get a drumstick from Mitch and a Coke bottle that uh, Jimmy had just finished drinking the beverage from. And that was a real highlight of my whole life. Wow. That's an amazing... I love that someone who, like, I listened to at one point was a fan like I am to that band. Do you know what I mean? Like, that makes it seem so much more human. What a great story. That's amazing. <laughs> like, just, you know, I, I bet he, like, K.K. Downing probably just, like, would periodically just get that cup that, you know, Lord Hendricks used to drink from and just, like fill it with coffee or Jack Daniels or Johnny Walker or what have you. And maybe some of that Hendrix magic made it into K.K. Downing's riffs because, man. That would make sense. I can see that. stuff, right? According to VCR Magazine, Downing describes Hendrix as an artist who could absolutely stir any audience up into a complete frenzy, adding they would jump from the balconies and they would rush the stage and I know because I was one of the fans that did just that. And I think you're right when you talk about it from the perspective of hearing an icon talk about an icon and just being a fanboy. That's cool. And you, you see that sometimes with actors too, right? I think that's neat. Get a chance to hockey players. I mean, imagine that if like even you think about hockey players, like you're the new kid who, you know, is the rookie and then you go to the face-off circle and you're lining up next to Sidney Crosby. Yeah. And you're like, oh. whoa. Like, I would pee a little. Yeah, right? definitely. I think that's warranted. So, I mean, and that's what happens. It happens all the time, and we don't really think of it from this perspective. What a cool story. Are you okay? Oh, man, do we have to talk about this? These guys are, this is like, these are dumb. People don't learn. Are you okay with big fireworks? <laughs> they are colorful. <laughs> Just like, yeah. I, I'm. I, you know, anytime that you take fireworks, you know, like a medium like that and then just go into really excessive just uh more than you need more than you clearly need for the occasion that's when uh especially in florida you know that's that's when oh, the, the, it tends danger. to happen as well yeah i like the ones where you know you go to the stand that's open like three times a year and you pick your fireworks and then there's the one behind the counter and it's called like the black cat and it's got like this really creepy logo on it. And it's like in a case and it's almost mystical. And then there's always that one dad at the barbecue that has that firework. And everyone's like, don't do it. It's way too much. And they go, oh, it's going to be fine. And then the entire neighborhood is alight for five minutes because that dad basically bought a small bomb. I love it. <laughs> small bomb. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> you know, I've always wondered like fireworks today, you pretty much can buy a box. Right. And then you light the fuse at the end and then they light off in an order and it does a whole show the way the fuse burns through the box. And it's kind of cool. It's not like the old days. I remember at my parents cabin up by Boyle, Alberta, and it was, you know, ironically, the guy who did it was a firefighter. Um, but he like the, the, you put the stick in the snow and then you light the thing and the firework goes up. Well, one of them tipped over a little bit and the firework shot into the shed. Well, the shed is where all the gas was kept. Like, you know, and it's like, wow, how does this happen? Today's technology is kind of cool. And I was at a, a birthday party where one of the family members had one of those boxes where he just lit one end and the whole thing went. 
And like, oh, we're just going to do some fireworks. And it's like in the middle of the city. And they're like, yeah, yeah, you just do some fireworks. It'll be all right. It's, these things are pretty controlled. And literally in the middle of a neighborhood on the street. And then everybody was surprised that the cops were there in like two minutes before the fireworks were done firing in the street. And they got away with it. They're like, oh, sorry, we didn't know. That's all we had. We're done. And they got away with it. So another chapter for you in the epic story of Are You Okay? sagas and dumb gender reveal parties involving fireworks. A few months ago, police started looking for suspects after a massive explosion was felt in a New Hampshire town. The suspect used a very big firework that was actually 80 pounds of explosives. <laughs> it literally was a bomb. Yeah. Oh. Here's more from a very concerned reporter for HLN. Oh, no. A gender reveal explosion is thought to have rattled several towns. It even shook a woman's porch. She lives a mile away. I mean, police in New Hampshire say that a guy used 80 pounds of Tannerite, over-the-counter explosive, by the way, for a gender reveal party. I'm not upset because I have chalker confetti blown in my way. I mean, it was an explosion that rocked my house, my neighbors, my community and, and towns. Just absolutely over the top. Ridiculous. So um, Tannerite advertises its own gender reveal product, by the way, that contains one pound of material. Police say charges could be pending. That shook the porridge. That shook the woman's porridge. Uh I I love that reporter. <laughs> I love that. 80 pounds. She's just as dumbfounded as we are, and she doesn't hide it. I respect that. Well, it sounds like she's reading it for the first time and then meet, like just diving right in there. It's it's kind of, it's like finding out the, the facts as you go. Like, Tannerite? It's like, what? My goodness. Tannerite is, wow. Like, Tannerite is use the target, shoot it, and blow stuff up on a farm. Like eighty pounds of it. <laughs> Sometimes, wow. if you if you watch the video captured on doorbell cameras and stuff, you can see the shockwave. You can see it. It's 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 ridiculous, and it's for something like they went to a quarry or something because they thought it would be safer. Eighty pounds of explosives is still eighty pounds of explosives, my dude. Right. Wow. Oh. Did, did they uh, did they ever find out what the what the gender was, or was it just all <laughs> explosion? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> You're having a baby firework. Yeah, a baby firework. Um, all right. According to the statement sent to CNN, Anthony Spinelli, who police said bought and detonated eighty pounds of tannerite at the party, turned himself in to the Kingston Police Department. Uh, police say Spinelli was charged with disorderly conduct due to the fact that he caused public alarm. Uh, you can't fix stupid, right? Public alarm. Oh, <laughs> thought man. They, were, they thought their town was getting bombed, man. <laughs> you, you, you can't fix stupid, but you can sure blow it up. Yeah. Nice. And uh, Wow. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.